America calls Tennessee Volunteers. I guarantee you, anybody that even if they've had toxic leadership, if they've served, is not going to agree with their statement that, you know what, I'd like to have an MRE tonight. <laughs> We're not allowed to have weapons on the base. Well, we can have Nerf guns. Pew pew! Alright, so for this episode, I think we're just kind of really looking to talk about the veteran demographic in Tennessee. And I think our goal is uh, to eventually be able to travel to other sites, interview some of the veterans at those sites, and talk about the demographic graphics in those cities and in those states as well. So because we're starting off in Kingsport, um, let's talk about you know the veteran population in, in Tennessee. So Travis, what, what information you got for us? Uh, so it, it's interesting. We live in such close proximity to a, a VA hospital. Um, and that actually kind of sheds some light as to there are a lot of veterans in, in, in Tennessee. I can't not go to a store and not see a disabled veteran license plate or a, um, a license plate that's a you know veteran. Um, so it kind of got me interested in thinking, well, how many veterans are out there? How many are in Tennessee? Um, and there's about a half a million in Tennessee, and there's about 21 million across the country. Um, so when we step back and we think about, okay, well, this podcast is designed to help connect us with those veterans, help help us reach out, engage them, talk to them on their own time, let them listen in uh, to some of the stuff we're talking about. How many people is that? How many people are we trying to reach out to? Um, you know, EVETS has, has done a lot of great, you know, activities around membership, around engaging veterans. We, we all, I think, as kind of leaders within EVETS have this gut feeling that we're not yet there. We're not... We haven't hit that mark where it says, hey, our percent of veterans lines up with what we believe the percent of veterans are in, in the area or in Tennessee. Uh, and so this is kind of an interesting you know, way to dive into it and to be thinking about some of the aspects of veteran statistics in Tennessee. And again, it's not just inclusive you know, uh, you know, to just Tennessee. Like you mentioned, we're wanting to get out there and look at all the others. We're a global company. We want to see what's out in the world um, as well. You know, what are some of the other influence and factors that, uh, you know, encourage or hinder people to raise their hand and say, hey, I'm a veteran and I, I work for Eastman. Uh, and I think this is a great way to just kick off some interesting aspects to that. Yeah, and I, I thought it was interesting before recording this episode, we kind of had a talk and Brandon made a comment about it being an all-volunteer military. As we look at different statistics of the service breakdown of what war for the veterans in Tennessee in general, you know, there's 4.4% in World War II, and there's 8.8% of them served in Korea. And then we've got a large portion of the population of 37.5% of Vietnam, but we kind of started to do the math, and we realized, well, what are the chances that we have a Vietnam veteran that's working at Eastman? 
And so we kind of thought, well, maybe, maybe one, maybe two, but there's not going to be our, our population percentage is not going to be an accurate representation of Tennessee as a whole. But then we started to get into the Gulf War and Iraq and Afghanistan and just in between the conflicts and the during peace, peacetime in quotes, mm -hmm. uh, we started to see where our Eastman population of veterans is. Yeah. And like Brandon said, the large majority of that population, if not all of it at Eastman, is going to be a volunteer military. And so how does our population differentiate from the state population? Yeah, I mean, that, that's definitely an interesting statistic. I mean, when we look at how many veterans we have at Eastman and, and how many we have in regards to, like, this area as far as county, you know, the high average is 11.2%. Eastman, as a company, is right on par with that. Um, and this region is, is probably, when you look at the state as a whole, look at Sullivan County, Washington County. I mean, let's go ahead and include Southwest Virginia because we know we have a lot of employees from that area. Is probably one of the highest ranking amongst small counties in the state yeah. of Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, so there's been a large number of Tennessee employees, and, and I don't want to leave out the Southwest Virginia, but Southwest Virginia folks that work at Eastman that have deployed at, or been a part of the military and are veterans. And, and I think we've talked about this over and over again. What is a veteran? Um, it's not necessarily that you served in Gulf War, Iraq, or Afghanistan, but it's those conflicts in between. We, we talked about this before this podcast was we all sign a blank check. And it doesn't mean you have to serve. We all learned a skill or a trade. No, I mean, we talked about it. I mean, like like I said, there's people who, they didn't necessarily enjoy their military service. Yeah. They had toxic leadership, and I think you can have that anywhere you go, and that's just a prime example yeah. of how the commonalities exist anywhere you go in the world, yeah. but it exists in the military too. There's going to be toxic leadership anywhere you go, and people have bad experiences, but we don't want to look at the bad experiences. We want to look at what valuable skills did you learn, yeah. and thank you for signing that blank check. Yeah. Well, and, and if you if you step back and you think about the military military service, almost like, um, hey, I worked at at Google or I worked at you know Apple. Right? You might not have had a good experience working for that company, but you might have learned a lot of great experiences, you, you know, a lot of skills and a lot of experiences from that. You so, know, yeah, it's definitely interesting. I mean, you look at the, the program we do each year for supplies for soldiers. We had one of our uh, former leadership team members went out and participated out in California, and the first time she ate the MRE, she thought it was great. <laughs> I guarantee you, anybody that even if they've had toxic leadership, if they've served, is not going to agree with their statement that you know what I'd like to have an MRE tonight. <laughs> um, well, so. it depends on how many you've been force fed, right? I feel like uh, like my nephew's level, right? It's a camping thing; they go and play out in the forest and eat them. But you well, know. <laughs> but as we go through these podcasts, I mean. Obviously, we want everyone to realize if you serve, whether during wartime or not wartime, you are a veteran. And there may be, as we'll talk about in future podcasts, entitlements that you're entitled to that you're not aware of. So you really need to think about that and how we can help you. Yeah. Yeah. What questions can you pose to us where we, hey, we, we hop on this, this forum and we're able to talk about it, you know, and we're able to kind of dig through stuff. And, and that's interesting that you mentioned that because, you know, there's 30 VA facilities and VA hospitals in Tennessee. I feel like that's a lot. Um, you know, 
and, and, and not that necessarily everyone needs VA medical benefits, but those those VA facilities, it says facilities, um, we don't know if those are hospitals or what, but, but I feel like they help you connect things that, you know, because of your service, uh, you know, you're, in, you're entitled to, you know, whether it's housing benefits, uh, whether it's job placement services, whether it's medical benefits, things like that. Well, your first VA home loan, you know, I mean, yeah, there's, there's a lot of things to think about. I mean, when we look at just from a VA perspective, look at Johnson City, uh, we have one of the largest VAs in the state of Tennessee as far as hospital facilities and what they serve. And, uh, you know, they serve all the way up to like Corbin, Kentucky, uh, branch way out in southwest Virginia, even West Virginia, and as far down as Knoxville. You know, the facility in Johnson City is actually bigger than the Knoxville facility, and I don't know how many people actually know that. Um, so we're fortunate in this region to have such a facility. Um, and, you know, it's an opportunity that people need to actually think about going forward, and maybe we can help them through these podcasts, especially, you know, here in Tennessee. You know, and, and, and as we go through these podcasts and work with our partners at the Texas sites, Pennsylvania sites, Virginia sites, maybe we can use our connections here and reach out and see what we can do for them. Yeah, absolutely. Something I found interesting when looking over the statistics was the education level of the veterans in Tennessee. And I find that interesting because like we've discussed on previous episodes, a lot of people who have no experience with the military think that they're all just gunslingers, they're out playing war, or you know, and that's not true. Like Brandon said on a previous episode, it's its own self-sufficient city and they're, they can, any job you can think of the military has. And so... Yeah, just looking at the education of the veterans in Tennessee, I mean, over 20% are uh, have a bachelor's degree or higher. So that's not just an associate. So in the Air Force, you've got the Community College and Eighth Air Force, and you can get an associate's degree for the Air Force. So that means they've gone further and gotten the bachelor's degree. And I just find it interesting that it kind of goes against that stigma of, well, you just joined right out of high school, you had no other options, and you never went to college. Well. Mm, nope, that's not true. I bet that statistic's actually higher than the, the average U.S. too. Well, it's interesting that you're talking about statistics. I mean, I can remember before I retired in December looking at my next rank, and, you know, the military has kind of went, so where are you in comparison to your fellow members in the same grade? And for me to obtain the next rank, it told me that 37% of the individuals that were competing against me for the next rank had bachelor's degrees. Um and so when you look at that perspective, you know, people need to look outside the box, as we call it sometimes, and say, hey, what can I learn? Now, so, so when I, I, I step back and I think about the, the local area, right, again, I can't go anywhere without seeing a, a license plate that says veteran of some sort, right? That obviously means we have a significant percentage in this area, uh, and most likely, you know, working at Eastman, working with us, or working, you know, through one of our contracting companies. Um, you know, Brandon, why, kind of give me some of your insight as to, like, why some of those folks you, you think might not raise their hand and say, you know what, uh, I, I don't count myself as a veteran. Well, I mean, a lot of people think because they haven't fought in a combat conflict or um, a lot of people are, that I've spoke to throughout the plan, you know, or they had bad experiences in the military. And, you know, 
I think it comes, we talk to our, I, well, I personally talk to my kids about this all the time, is, you know, you're going to have bad experiences in life and everything's not going to be perfect. And any workplace environment you're in, there's going to be days that you're just going to question, you know, hey, what's going on? Uh, for some people that served in the military in a short term basis, two to three years, that whole two to three years might have been a bad experience. Uh, because that's not a long time span. And, and when they look back at that two to three years as an 18, 19, 20, 21, however old they were, they may look at that as a bad part of their life and they don't want to look back. And what I would say to anybody listening is you learn a skill. You learn something. Um, I really think and I hope, my wish is that, hey, we can reach out to every veteran. You know, with what we're trying to do internally here at the company, um, it, it helps us to one, gather statistics is how many we have, how many are advancing, you know, what can we do to help you? Because, I, you know, I talk to guys that I work with constantly and are like, you know, I want to advance. I'm like, well, how often do you talk about your military? And they're like, well, I don't. Okay, well, think about that. Think outside that box because it may have been a bad experience, but what did you learn from that? What leadership training did you go through? What college, uh, you know? You know, well, just the, the, the small skills and the soft skills that you learn, right? So when I went through ranger school, you know, hey, is there anything directly applicable to ranger school to Eastman? No, right? But at the same time, there was a planning process. There was a decision-making process. There was a leadership that they, they taught small tactics, you know, that kind of stuff. You step back and think about it, you're like, okay, well... I can apply that to how we're planning turnarounds or maintenance events or how, you know, I'm planning um, how I communicate, you know, with my team. Do they clearly understand what I'm talking about of how to execute, you know, whatever task or, or, or mission that we have, right? So, even though, a, you know, a person may have a bad experience, Right, there's still those in, those intrinsic spirit of lessons learned and those those kind of experiences you can you can take you can step back and say, hey, you know what? Um, every day I'm I'm planning something. Every day I'm communicating something. Um, that was a, a vital function in the in the military because you know and even here, right? That the consequences um, in a chemical environment or a chemical industry is. You know, my mistake may not hurt me, but it may hurt somebody else, right? The company breeds, you know, and preaches process safety, people safety, safety in general, right? Um, and when I step back and I think about, well, military, they, they didn't say safety, but they just jammed it down your throat that, hey, your, you know, attention to detail will save your friend, will save your buddy, your battle buddy, and your lack of attention to detail on planning or decision-making or details to hurt somebody else, too. I think there's also, there's different levels of bad experience in the military. You've got the, oh, I had toxic leadership. Well, like Brandon said earlier, there's toxic leadership everywhere. And then you've got people who maybe have PTSD or have, you know, these really negative kind of trauma. And then you also have people in the military that experience sexual assault. So yep. by them saying, hey, I was in the military, and someone was like, oh, well, tell me about your service, and all you can think about was that one time that changed, you know, your whole life yeah. and your opinion of yourself. It's it's hard for you to raise your hand and say, yeah, I want to join events, I want to identify as a veteran, because I don't want to relive that trauma every time. So I think a 
a crucial part of events and what we're talking about here is talking about, yeah, you know what? We've all had crappy experiences in the military. And I've talked to people across Eastman that were veterans that had that entire range of experience in the military. I've had people that loved every second of it, and I've had people who hated absolutely every second of it for whatever their reason is. And so being able to say, hey, we, we respect that maybe your experience wasn't great. Mm -hmm. We respect that you don't want to talk about it. And even though you've identified and you've joined EVETS, we still honor your service no matter how negative it may have been. Yeah. And if you don't want to talk about it, you don't have to talk about it. We just want you to know that we still honor and respect you for what you went through. And we're here if you want to talk about it because unlike maybe some of the other people you're working with, they don't get what you went through maybe to the degree that we do mm -hmm. and we can give you that safe space we can give you a battle buddy in your civilian workforce to where if you want to talk about it you've got an entire kind of squadron here who has your back i would say that i would just hit on something from an operations perspective i think one of the things that i look at from working in manufacturing is uh, and, and this could be true for BAT, so don't get me wrong, but you, you talk about this, the unknown skills. Is mm -hmm. How often were you told you would be home in a certain time or you're going to be gone for three weeks and you're going to be away from your family? And I think the adaptability yeah. of a Eastman employee that was a former veteran, you know, when coal gas shutdown comes along or you've got your third quarter or second quarter paperwork that's got to be done to meet the objectives I think that's things that if you look around you're going to lean on some of those that have been committed to doing Absolutely. that in the past um, so I think that's something that we can all learn from that and, and I think that sometimes that our veterans out there don't go you know what yeah I did unfortunately learn that I'm committed to regardless that those are actually seekable skills yeah. uh, or and there's a whole host of them out there that we're not really tapping into. Yeah. Right? And, and you know, and it kind of goes back to, and I hate going back to the numbers, right? But but the numbers show that well, there's a gap between the people that are at least feeling comfortable to talk to us about, hey, I'm a veteran. I don't really feel that like I'm a veteran or, you know, I didn't have a great experience. Um but they're missing out on something that that could benefit them right now, you know, in a in a position that they're in, you know, and those sorts of things. Again, bringing those those kind of unique skills and experiences up to, up to the surface. And coming full circle, we talked about how we believe, at least statistically speaking, that the majority, if not all, of our population was a volunteer service. Mm -hmm. Well, we want you to volunteer again to EVETS, not to give your time, but to sign up and say, hey, I volunteered once, now I'm volunteering for more information. Because you don't know what resources are available to you. You don't know maybe how to word some of that military service to get you the promotion. You don't know, maybe you look at a job and you're like, well, I don't really have that experience. But if you pulled out your military side, you'd be like, you know what, I do actually have experience that would qualify me for that position. And we can help you with that. 
So part of reaching our Eastman veteran population is how can we help you? Not just you know educating others about what you bring to the table, but also educating you on how to capitalize on your volunteer time. Yeah, so I'm guilty of coming back from a deployment or getting out of the military, and when you're going through those final check the blocks, you know, the VA briefings, the yeah. this is your entitlements, it was like, oh, hurry up and get this over with, check, check, it's done, yeah, I just yeah. want to get home and see my family, yeah. it's over with, and I was zoned out during all that, and and it was, as I got near retirement, I started doing a lot of research. Uh, and not everybody has retired, but I started doing that research, and I was going, oh my goodness, why wasn't I paying attention? And so I think there's a, a unique opportunity amongst eBets to, hey, how can we help you? But then I think it's, I go back to work, all the time at work, you know, I talk to people I work with, join eBets. Mm -hmm. And they'll look at me and they say, I'm not a veteran. You don't have to be a veteran. Yeah. No, um, absolutely, this is exactly... You know, as much as these discussions are for veterans, as, you know, they're equally important for our allies. Yeah, you know. I mean, 9% of Tennessee's population is veterans. If we relied just on that 9% yeah. to make changes, we'd be dead fish in the water. It's, it's that 91% of non-veterans that we can, you know, I call them either allies or future allies. You either support the military or you're going to support the military because, let's be honest, it's pretty awesome place <laughs> or at least the veterans you may not support the war but you can support your veterans and so if we rely on those 91 percent to make the change we're going to start seeing those changes in action well that's kind of where i was coming back full circle but with not being a veteran is yeah there's 90 percent that aren't but there's 10 percent. that's one out of every 10 mm -hmm. so chances are anybody at eastman i mean i wouldn't know a specific statistic but you've got a family member or a friend mm -hmm. that served, yeah, and there's something reach. you can yeah. learn to help them. You know, not just from a an advocacy standpoint, right? But you know, when we start thinking about also the demographics of the company, right? Let's say that it translates the exact same way. We have nine percent veterans in the company and ninety-one percent non-veterans. Well. It's going to take that 91% to recognize those skills and experiences to say, I didn't serve, but I want someone like that on my team. I didn't serve, but I'm going to advocate for that person to get a promotion. I didn't serve, but my brother did, and I know what, you know, you know what, what, what they bring to the table. Um, so that would be an interesting, you know, opportunity for us to kind of think about and maybe dive into later, too, is... Well, how many of that 90%, you know, within our company are within an arm's reach, right? We know tons of employees that they've got a son or a daughter or they've got a brother or a sister that served in the military, right? Um, and so it'd be interesting to understand, how right, once removed, what does it look like? Twice removed, what does it look like? And, you know, just to talk about where I work at Eastman, I work in logistics. And none of my, you know, my leadership or my chain of command at Eastman is military. There's a couple that have children now in the military, but none of them are directly military up my chain. But they've had so much success in the veterans and the organization that 
over the past just three years watching it, our number of veterans in logistics is growing significantly across multiple modes because they're starting to realize the value in their organization and their adaptability and their proactive approach and their teamwork. Because in logistics, it's a lot of times a hey, I'm moving this truck from point A to point B, you've got somewhere at point B, can you move it? And you keep a truck in the network, which is saving Eastman money, keeping things moving on time. And veterans naturally kind of have that, hey, can we move this quick? Because you don't want something to sit there and wait forever. Right, depending on the branch, they may have done that in the military, right? Exactly. You know, again, it's, it's kind of breaking that bias that, oh, if you were in the military, you shot a gun. Well, no, not, not actually. You know, it's upwards of 85% of the, the army, at least, you know, is not a combat arms related field. That means that they were they were doing human resource, admin, logistics, supply chain. Public affairs. Yeah, yeah. But I was, I was qualified to carry a pistol and an M16, but then a camera. I'm telling you, I shot a camera more times than I shot a gun in my time in service, but I was still supposedly going to be allowed to carry one. Well, I was actually just getting ready to ask. I'm not sure that they even trust the Air Force with weapons, so I was just just going to reach well, out there. I can't so. attest that uh, <laughs> when I was on an Air Force base, which will remain unnamed, uh, on the way to Afghanistan, they made us turn all of our weapons into the armory, and we got them. And we were like, wait a minute, we're only a stone's throw away from Afghanistan, and you're not allowed, we're not allowed to have weapons on the base? No, we can have Nerf guns. Pew, pew. Actually, no. <laughs> I, I say that, but I'm pretty sure some people at the uh, education portion of one of the bases I was at got in trouble because they had Nerf guns and security forces got called. So. <laughs> so again, you know, we do these podcasts, we like to poke fun at each other, and, and for those of y'all that are listening that are Army, Navy, uh, Marines, Coast Guard, we love to make fun of the Air Force. So. Just jealous. You know, we know they probably had the best life, but... We did. Um... We don't know that they ever shot a weapon in their lives, but you know we'll let that pass. It's fine. It's fine. I'll I'll beat all of you at our I, leadership I will, team. I will uh, give uh, the Air Force a little bit of credit. You know when when you when you hear that that F twenty two flyover, I will agree. You get a little bit of sense of all right. I can I can breathe and eat my MRE. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and hope that they're not aiming at me. Yeah. Friendly fire. <laughs> no, this what has is been... your location again. <laughs> We're just making sure you kind of blend in with the desert down there and your digital camo. So we started this conversation off talking about Tennessee veterans. Yeah. Is there a specific Tennessee veteran to any of you guys that, that comes to mind? I'm just curious. There's one that comes to my mind. I'm just wondering about you guys. Who comes to your mind? Alvin York. You know, I mean, there's a lineage of, of, of history here in Tennessee. I mean, it's why we're called the Volunteer State. I was going to say Davy Crockett. <laughs> Was he technically Tennessee or Texas? He was born here. Okay. And then he wasn't, he wasn't part of the Texas, you know, I, again. That's fair. You caught me off guard because I threw a name out there and was not uh, prepared educationally to be able to answer that question. You know what? I'm going to suck up. He is from Limestone, Tennessee. Yeah, yeah he was born right over here. Okay, so okay, there yeah. is a first time here, folks, you heard it live on this podcast, <laughs> that an officer was right. <laughs> That's funny. I'm going to I'm gonna suck up here and say my favorite Tennessee veteran is uh, Tony Nelson. <laughs> Primarily because uh, when I first enlisted, enlisted in the Tennessee Air National Guard, he was... 
there and part of the leadership team, and he was only there for a little while um, before he retired and went to South Korea for Eastman. But hearing his story about being on Kingsport Eastman property, watching the Twin Towers fall, walking out of the gate, getting in his car, and immediately driving to Knoxville to be with his base. It's just one of those stories that resonates with me because I think he's he's kind of what, when people think veteran and honorable, I mean, I imagine him, but that's just me. And I also see him, you know, talking at my father's retirement ceremony. And so for me, Tony was just always the standard. Well, I can, Tony's been a, a mentor to me, so I mean, I, yeah. can, I can agree that that's a good choice. Um, but you know, we, when I sit there and I thought about that, I was thinking about the volunteer state, but you know, I've been in the military and I've traveled all over the United States and all over the world, but I keep coming back to this region and I think we're fortunate to have a company in this area that employs so many individuals, but that does care about uh, the military and their service. And, and I think that another reason why we do these podcasts is because, you know, no matter where you are, if it's Texas, you're in love with it for a reason. I'm in love with the mountains here, the, the good old Alvin York style hunting out in the wild uh, <laughs> that made him such a, a good person. So um, I think it's unique. And I think we have a great company, and I think we've had a good conversation here about Tennessee. Yep, and I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up with a really good quote I heard years ago when I was in, and it's, when America calls, Tennessee volunteers.